At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson standing by. Bottom of the hour, Coley Shimkus will talk to us about what's happening in the world uh, from her perspective and a fresh off giving the news on Fox and Friends First and Fox and Friends and taking your calls. And you can always write me, Brian Kilmeade. Uh, go to BrianKilmeade.com and just click on comments and you'll have a chance to interact. I'll try to get to your emails. So, President of the United States going to Poughkeepsie. You know what he's going to Poughkeepsie for? To talk about the expansion of some chip factory. Okay, great. Do you know what else is in Poughkeepsie? The site of a brutal murder of a parent of a Marist student who was just getting coffee in the lobby and was shot by a criminal wanted on felonies, let out again. Crime is overwhelming all other issues in America, and this president can't even figure out, or he can't even feign that he's interested. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We talk about all these other issues, the border, economy, inflation, energy, but it's really crime that threatens to bury Democrats in a month here. It is an issue that is pervasive. It hits people across the country. Molly Hemingway saying what I just said about crime. We are had it up to here. The tolerance is gone. What the numbers say about our nation and what we can do. Number two. I think one of the things that you're seeing in this response, we are cutting through the bureaucracy. We are cutting through the red tape. And that's what we're going to do this time around. Come out of it better because we're this is the United States of America. And I emphasize United. Right. Cooperation and then consternation in Hurricane ravaged Fort Myers as President Biden came to town to town to spout uh, profanities and giving climate change full credit for the calamity. At least he showed class and compliments at some point with the Republican governor. Number one. You can't blame Putin or COVID or the corporations for the rise. Joe Biden put foreign oil and foreign dictators over U.S. jobs and, and American energy independence. This is one of the biggest mistakes he's made of his presidency. And that's uh, not counting Afghanistan. Oil wars and what it means for 2022. OPEC pulls, uh, pu- puts a fork in the president's eye and cuts oil production, therefore raising gas prices for your car and for your home. Biden's options and actions in response are beyond concerning. And that is to go to Venezuela, allow Chevron to cut deals along with Shell and natural gas and let them build up their infrastructure in that communist brutal country that is poisoning our hemisphere. That's no joke, and it should be. Senator Ron Johnson joins us now. Senator, your thoughts, and I know you have a big debate on Friday, and you're surging in the polls as you try to get six more years in that Senate seat over Mandela Barnes, but your thoughts about what OPEC Plus did? Well, obviously they weren't happy with the the way President Biden treated them, and I think they're just poking a stick in his eye, quite honestly, and in the eye of America. 
You know, Brian, if, if you really want to analyze things, I'm, I'm a business guy, right? You have to take a look at the big picture here. And you know, I keep going back. So I gave a speech to a you know, foreign policy gathering a couple weeks ago. And, and I quoted Ronald Reagan. And I think really genius is taking the complex and simplifying it. And Reagan simplified the complexity of the world by just simply saying you achieve peace through strength. You can't have a strong economy unless you have peace, unless you have safety, unless you have security. And that, that applies to, glo- to us globally, to our nation, to our state, to our community. And you take a look at everything the Biden administration has done, everything that these radical leftists have done, all their policy prescriptions, socialism, it, all those things weaken society, weaken our communities, weaken our nation and make the world and our nation, our communities less safe. And so we have tanking economies, too. And so, you know, it was Robert Gates, the defense secretary for Obama, said that, the, you know, Joe Biden has been wrong on the, the major foreign policy issues for the last 40 years. His string remains unbroken. And you go through the list of horribles, the open border, the 40-year high inflation, the record gas prices, the rising crime, uh, baby formula. None of these things just happened. They were all caused by radical left policies enacted by President Biden, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and all of their cronies and henchmen in Congress. I hope America is paying attention. Again, this didn't just happen. All of this pain that you are suffering today, the inflation, the gas prices, a more menacing world, is caused by radical left Democrat policies. Well, one thing is pretty clear. Going to Venezuela, you have to shelve all your values and morals. We told our allies to avoid that communist country that's poisoning our hemisphere. It's a bastion and a solace and a home base for Iran, China, and Russia. Now we go up to Mindoro and say, okay, do me a favor. We will let Chevron and Shell rebuild your oil infrastructure. It'll take two years to get this oil and gas online. So I'm not sure that's going to solve anybody's problem. But what about our values that he said that is so on the line when it comes to Saudi Arabia? It's not on the line when it comes to Iran and Venezuela? Well, he'll, he'll throw the values away to try and gain an advantage for an election. That's what he's doing. He's draining our strategic petroleum reserve, which is there in case of national emergency, to try and get him some votes in November. Uh, it's not working, by the way, because gas prices are on the rise again. But Venezuela is a perfect example. The people of Venezuela basically voted themselves into poverty. I mean, it's an oil-rich nation. It should be the sh- you know it should be the shiny example in South America. Right. But it's a basket case. The citizens you know they're fleeing Venezuela because of lack of freedom and starvation, and that's because they basically voted in socialists. And once the socialists were in, they became a completely one-party state, and they ruined the nation. That's the path that America is on right now with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi at the helm. And I'm begging Wisconsinites, please don't give them another ally, a rubber stamp in Mandela Barnes. By the way, if you want to help me, Ron Johnson for Senate.com. Uh, all, they, all they have are lies, character assassination, the politics, personal destruction. I need the resources to tell the truth about Mandela Barnes. So Ron Johnson for Senate.com. Uh, and by the way, you're, you're up in the, in the recent polls. You seem to have surged. I think a lot of Republicans are surging, too. On the real clear average, you're up three. Uh, but some of the recent polls from Fox to uh, some of the local ones, uh, you're going up more. A lot of people realize that maybe two years ago, defund the police was cool. 
uh, that Black Lives Matter seemed like a great alternative, that now it's clearly a corrupt organization. And to fund and reimagine police is one of the most sinister things you could ever do to American society. And a couple of things that he has said are really disturbing. First, on energy. The new Green Deal is the path to get us where we want to be, where we have to think so much deeper and so much broader. We have a real opportunity in front of us, really. New Green Deal, let's go to China and have these slave laborers uh, build us uh, solar panels. Here he is talking about capitalism. Cut 34. I don't think it's how uh, stupid can humanity be. I think it's how greedy can humanity be. Uh, the reason why we're in this mess is pursuit of greed. Like, it's, it's capitalism run amok. That's why we're in this predicament now. It's the same reason why gun violence is so rampant in the United States of America. It's the same reason why we deal with all these other issues that that are common, that have common sense solutions, but we can't seem to have a common sense approach. When you look at the halls of Congress, you look at state legislatures across the country, and you see where a lot of that financing is come from, coming from, then you see why our efforts are always stalled to do the right thing. It's, that's why it's so difficult for the right thing to happen or to get done. What is he trying to say there? <laughs> well, he's just spouting socialist radical rhetoric. That, that's all he's got. And again, I would just point out what socialism did to Cuba, what it did to Venezuela. I mean, it's the road to ruin. But, the, you know, that Look rhetoric, our police is just, they're dispiriting police. So they're, they're backing off. They're not doing the kind of policing that they, they'd like to do. They can't recruit. Again, this is a very, we're a very dangerous moment in our history, but the, his rhetoric is, is the least to worry. They've actually enacted their policies. They, they, he and Governor Evers had a goal of reducing our prison population by 50%, 10,000 prisoners. It's been reduced by about 15, including 884 individuals is what they paroled. Uh, only 10, 11% were nonviolent. 784 were violent criminals, including 44 child rapists, 270 criminals that either committed and they primarily committed or attempted murder. And the murders were horrific. And they let these people loose on the streets of Wisconsin. Again, yeah. this radical left ideology is ruinous, and that's what they're trying to implement. So he also is quoted as saying about reducing uh, the prison population. I'm happy that we're all talking about it. Uh, that's uh, now that criminal justice reform and reducing prison populations is now sexy. He, well, I don't know what he means by that. He means now in, I guess. Here's what else he said about to fund the police. Cut 35. Police don't prevent crimes from happening. Uh, we're not, we're, we don't live in a surveillance state, nor would you want to. So there isn't, this isn't the minority report. You know, you can't, pre- it's not like cops are just showing up to stop something before it happens. They are, they are, uh, they are to respond and to try to solve crimes. And if you look at the number of crimes that don't get solved, you may be shocked to learn that number. So they don't prevent crimes? Has they ever heard of police presence stopping a crime from even happening to begin with, let alone a police being present, being stopping crime? Yeah, Brian, it's just crazy left-wing rhetoric. And it apparently appeals to somebody. It certainly appeals to the mainstream media. And that's part of our problem. You know, one thing about inflation and gas prices, the media can't hide that. And so Wisconsinites Americans are, are feeling that pain and it can't be hidden by the media, like, for example, the crisis at our border is pretty well being ignored by the media. Uh, part, part of our big problem is literally the complicit and corrupt uh, mainstream media. That's part of our problem that allowed a guy like Mandela Barnes to spout this just right. imbecilic uh, rhetoric that is ruinous to a nation. And they let him get away with it. They don't challenge him on it. 
I watched Tony Bobulinski sit down for an hour with Tucker. It's on Fox Nation, and it's full unedited. You've had countless, I understand about a dozen FBI agents come up to you as whistleblowers to talk about what's going on there. Bobulinski's story was also relayed to you, but you lost the majority in the Senate on January 5th. What, do you, what can you tell our listeners about what Bobulinski presents and what, other, uh, and what it should reveal to a media that's paying attention? Well, first of all, I appreciate the fact that Tony Bobulinski came forward. You know, obviously the complicit and corrupt media, like they covered up my report, like they covered up the laptop, also covered up Tony's uh, testimony. But, you know, he's a patriot, so he felt that his duty was to report to federal law enforcement as much as I warned him against that. You know, I already had my subpoenas out to Christopher Ray. I wasn't getting any response whatsoever. And I warned him, saying, you know, Tony, you ought to come and sit down, transcribe the interview with our committee, and then we can make it public, okay, once we verify things. You talk to the FBI, it's going to go into a black hole, and that's exactly what happened. The, there are elements, particularly at the top of the FBI, that are thoroughly corrupt, highly partisan. We're seeing it in the way the Justice Department, the Department of Justice is handling January Sixers versus the rioters in the summer. We have, we have a multiple-tier system of justice here. It's not being applied equally. And you've got partisanship, partisans in these federal law enforcement agencies basically looking at uh, anybody who voted for conservatives as potential domestic terrorists. This is dangerous for our country. Senator, let me just tell you, with the FBI and with the Biden family and the deals they've done with China, Kazakhstan, uh, seemingly with uh, Ukraine, as well as Russia, what they've done is you had somebody come forward, blow the whistle, speak for five hours to the FBI. They were told that Tim Tebow would get back in touch with them. He is now disgraced and retired, never called him. You have a grand jury impaneled investigating Hunter Biden. He has not been called. How could you honestly be somebody investigating this case and not talk to his former business partner? You can't. I mean, the, the answer is you can't. And, of course, now we have whistleblowers say that the FBI had a scheme in August of 2020 to downplay the directory information to basically deep six the Hunter Biden investigation. But again, it all takes a complicit and corrupt media. If we had a, a unbiased media that held both sides accountable, this kind of corruption wouldn't be running rampant through our federal agencies. But it's tolerated by the liberal, liberal left media as well. That's again, I just keep pointing back to media. It wouldn't all this stuff would not be happening. You might have some corruption, but it'd be rooted out. Right, right now, this is endemic. And again, it's completely partisan. It's, it's not a fair fight, Brian. I, just, we, I, I don't have a level playing field, in, level I know, playing but, field here in Wisconsin. But to do an investigation, it's amazing not one Republican a Democrat would come over with you and say, I'm concerned about the FBI, because they could turn on them, too. I just want an honest criminal justice fighting organization. So I want you to hear what Van Jones said on Sunday on HBO on Bill Maher. He almost sounds a little like you. This issue around the gender binary has 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 taken up way too much space uh, in the public conversation. Uh, I think that people are weary of it. I think that people having to put the she's and the this and that and the pronouns on their, their Zoom, mm. all of that stuff starts to send a signal, I think, to working class voters that, that these people are not concerned about the things that affect me every day. They're not <laughs> concerned about inflation. They're not concerned about, which is not to say you can't be, care about everybody, but there's something that's out of balance. And so I think that when we start sending the cultural signal that we're more concerned about the, the, the pronoun you put on your Zoom call than we are concerned about the fact that you don't have a house or a job, I think the party's off track. I mean, that's Van Jones, former Obama uh, 
uh, Obama uh, administration member, uh, left-wing columnist, and uh, commentator. Listen, when you have uh, Jason Furman and Larry Summers also coming out, these are economic advisors for Biden, talking or for Obama. You know, talking about how dangerous this massive deficit spending is and how it's going to spark inflation. They've been talking about that way for over a year. Now, I, I do think a lot of these issues that the mainstream press wants to focus on, it's like the shiny object. It just it dis- distracts us from looking at what exactly. is the real problem. For example, that a, a dollar that you held at the start of the Biden administration is only worth 88.3 cents today. That's the impact of inflation. If you had 100 grand in a gotcha. bank account at the start of the Biden administration, it's only worth 88,300 bucks. It's like the federal government just stole $12,000 from you, which is what they did. And that's what we ought to be focusing gotcha. on, the fact that you can't fill up your tank, you can't fill up your grocery Senator, carrier. Senator, good luck in your debate. It'll be uh, Friday uh, at 8 to 10 Central Time, uh, obviously 9 to 11 Eastern over in Milwaukee against Mandela Barnes. Senator Ron Johnson, thank you. Have a great day. Back in a moment. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, it could very well lead to an increase in gasoline prices, and that's exactly the opposite of what the Democrats need and of what President Biden wants to see. And it's also the opposite of what he was hoping to achieve with his trip to Saudi Arabia earlier this year in the summer. Uh, at that point, they were they were advocating exactly, you know, the, the, I'm saying the opposite three times now, but that's because that's what it is. Yeah. And it didn't pan out um, for, for President Biden, and this is a real blow to him politically and, and for the economy. Because he goes over, and that was uh, that was uh, Jeff Mason, uh, Jeff Mason of Reuters, on with Brett Baer last night, and saying, "Look, OPEC Plus just raise, just cut production. That's going to raise rates, and there's no doubt about it. Gas and energy to heat and air condition your house. That's going to affect the election. They know it, you know it, and the president is panicking. CNN of all places says there's panic inside the White House that they went ahead and did this, even though Biden asked him not to. Why? Because whether you like it or not, there are some there's allies like the UK and there's other allies which are necessary because of the landscape in which we deal in the neighborhood in which we're in, whether it's Central South America or the Middle East or Europe. That is why it's really folly to alienate Saudi Arabia because it uh, bolsters Iran. When you deal with Iran, it alienates Saudi Arabia. Trump made a choice. FDR made a choice. He's saying it's our best interest to stay with them. The president alienated them, and now we're all paying the price.
information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show you can't blame putin or covid or the corporations for the rise joe biden put he put foreign oil and foreign dictators over u.s jobs and and american energy independence this is one of the biggest mistakes he's made of his presidency no disrespect to the debacle in afghanistan probably the biggest mistake But killing those pipelines out of spite on day one, you can't run a country according to spite and then expect people who are facing steep home heating costs this fall and winter to reward you or to look the other way. That is uh, Kellyanne Conway, Fox News contributor now, talking about this decision to alienate Saudi Arabia and OPEC. They have sided with Russia. There was a reason why, dating back to FDR, strategically, even though we did not agree with their, their sense of gender equality or anything else, that better than most in the, in the neighborhood, that's why we were allied with them. And because of that, the president is paying the price, not only personally, not only with influence in the Middle East, but when you go and try to do another deal with Iran, that alienates the Sunni section of the Middle East. Just on, He should understand that if anybody else. And now they're getting closer and closer and desperate enough, and so is Iran desperate enough to do this deal to get another million barrels into the world oil market, bringing the price down. With me right now is Carly Shimkus, who's been working these issues since four in the morning on television <laughs> and now on radio. Yeah. Welcome back, Carly. Thank you for having me. So you heard Kellyanne Conway just uh, I now. sure did. Uh, the most infuriating thing about all of this is, we, Brian, we have the oil under our feet. And the reaction from Democrats after um, OPEC Plus announced that they were going to cut uh, 200 uh, million barrels, no, 2 million barrels a day, was all the Democrats were saying, except for Joe Manchin, were saying, well, this proves that we need to transition to green energy faster, which is the exact thinking that got us into this issue in the first place. Now, I haven't played this clip yet. But I did read it verbatim. Mm. I'm hoping it makes more sense when we hear it okay. because it is the perspective of OPEC+. Plus. So let's hear what they have to say about what they're doing. Cut to. People will now see Saudi Arabia and the core members of OPEC mm-hmm. and OPEC+, Plus cooperating with Russia to try and raise the oil price. Well, well, it's a simplistic uh, view, no, no, but David, that will be the view. David, you want to twist it to, to your end? Fine. It's your prerogative. It's your right. We've been collaborating with with all OPEC plus countries ever since December uh, 2016. So it is not an accident of uh, of uh, mutual convenience, if you could call it. Again, it is not about. It is the act and the result. Show me, as I was saying to Lima uh, to Hadley. Where is the abridgments? Where is the ill intentions? The ill intentions is it drives the price up by uh, by lessening demand intentionally, yeah. and he knows an election in five weeks. Do you think he does not? Do you agree with him? Uh, okay. The prince. <laughs> well, so first of all, uh, the Wall Street Journal said that the reason OPEC is doing this could be because of inflation, cost of food. I actually, I we had Robert Henneke, uh, executive uh, director of Texas Pub- uh, Public Policy Foundation, on Fox and Friends first. And he said this announcement was timed to do damage to President Biden because they know that the election is just over a month away. Russia, obviously, obviously our enemy and Saudi Arabia, complicated relationship, like you said, coming into this segment, made even more complicated by President Biden trying to get this Iran nuclear deal done. Did you read the story in The Wall Street Journal uh, about what this Venezuelan deal is? 
So yeah, the Chevron know, situation, and then the Shell is going to start uh, drilling for natural gas. We, we that's what fracking is. Yeah. So the Biden administration came out uh, this morning or yesterday and said that they aren't lifting sanctions. Did you hear that? That that's the new. They're saying no sanctions are going to be lifted. Uh, so that's what they're saying now. It, it could be because of public backlash, and we'll have to wait and see on what happens there. So the Venezuela would get Chevron. To drill, it would take two years for them, two years for to get 1.5 million barrels a day on the world market. Really? Okay. And then they're going to open this Perla offshore basin, and this offshore basin would give it's an oil, it's a uh, natural gas burning field that Shell wants, and because of that, they think the Venezuela our own hemisphere, quick transportation, uh, and to get us here, that would be the answer. So if you can get more oil on the market, it would drive the price down. Now, they say the promise of this happening would drive the price down. That's how the investment looks at this from the Wall Street perspective. But to me, it shows panic. And what about our international bona fides, about restoring our, our push for civil rights as part of our foreign policy? You know what they've done to their people. You know that they've allowed Iran China and Russia into our hemisphere. Also, Do you know that they've, they're nope. also flooding our border with all these refugees? Um, yeah, but also, what about American jobs? The president isn't the president of Venezuela. He's the president of the United States. And like I said, we have the capacity to do this here. We can be. We have been energy independent. And I always thought, I was always wondered, you know, how uh, how fast could we get back to energy independence if another president comes in and he prioritizes this. And there was this study that was published by um, Unleashing Prosperity, and it estimated that the U.S. would be producing between 2 and 3 million more barrels of oil a day and between 20 to 25 more billion cubic feet of natural gas if the Trump administration policies had continued. So I just think that's really interesting um, because it really shows how much of a better place we could be in now. And it also proves that we could get back to that eventually, but it's going to take two more years or possibly six, depending on what happens in 2024. Well, we got that new green deal. Right. uh, We have that new green deal. And we know that uh, all that rare earth and all the solar panels made by slaves and the rare earth located in China controlled by China in places it's not there, would make us um, uh, subservient to China and their needs. That means not only will we have a rival economically, we will have uh, militarily, now we'll have a dependent, we'll be yeah, dependent and, on them. But then also, how do you charge up your electric car? It it does require... The, the batteries the, and charging stations. With yeah, the, and then you have to plug it into lithium. the grid, and doesn't the grid use fossil fuels? Right. Uh, as of now, they say they can transition to maybe something else. Maybe it's less of a, I don't know, climate. But, but you're talking about what if we wanted to solve the problem? What if you don't? Listen to the press secretary. Cut six. Today's announcement is a reminder of why it is so critical that United States reduce its reliance on foreign yeah. sources of fossil uh, fossil fuels. With the Inflation Reduction Act, we are making a historic investment in accelerating the energy, uh, the energy, uh, tr- the, the transition to clean energy. Like Don't I said, no, of course not. And that thinking is preposterous. It's what got us into this issue in the first place. But the, but really, all this, you know, what's going on in Washington, it all trickles down to people at home. And there have been so many people that you've talked to, I've talked to, business owners, moms, dads, that 
are struggling because of inflation, and all of them have said, thank God gas prices are starting to go down. If they go back up again, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then in California, over the past week, gas prices went up 60 cents. Can you believe that hike? And I think it's because they require like a special blend because they're trying to be as green as possible. So sorry for the people in California. My gosh. Right. So you no longer could say from the podium, gas prices are going down historically low levels at extraordinarily fast speed. It's no no longer the story. And we're getting closer and closer to the election. Oh, you don't want to talk about gas prices? What about crime? Why would the president go to Poughkeepsie to salute a chip plant and not go over to the Marriott where the parent of a Marist student was killed in a random act of violence by a felon, wanted, was going to be arrested, just left out on, walked out on bail and shot this guy dead. Can you believe that? And he's going to be in the city where that happened. Why wouldn't he do that? I, I don't know. And maybe there's time for him to put it on his schedule. That story... Um, is one of those ones that I, you hear about, and you just never, you know, you're never going to get over. You know, there's there's a there's a couple of crime stories, like that EMT, the EMT, the, 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 the Waukesha EMS story. Worker. There's just a few that rise to the level because you just you could picture yourself in that dad's position. You are getting a cup of coffee, you're checking out of a hotel room, you just visited your son for parents' weekend, which means that you were looking forward to seeing your kid. And all of a sudden, he's dead. And this is this is a man. This is an irreversible situation, right. like the EMT, to a lesser extent, but still horrifying. The woman in the subway who got punched in the face, and now she may lose her vision. The crimes are so random right now, but they are increasing. And it's crazy that Kathy Hochul does have the power to change this, and she's just turning a complete blind eye to it. And that's why Elise Eldon's surging in the polls. I know. Could you imagine if there is a Republican governor in Texas and what that would mean? You mean in New York? Did I say Texas? Yeah. I think it's because we were just talking about oil. In New uh, York, yeah, my goodness. So just go to show there you. There is a Republican governor. This is what drives uh, Demo- uh, people nuts about Democrats, not Democrats themselves, the ideology which drives them. So the President of the United States praises the governor of Florida for so far the great work he's done one week since a devastating hurricane, but didn't miss a chance, as I predicted, cut 18. I've been to a lot of disaster areas in the last couple months, uh, last six months. You know, more of more fires have burned in the west and the southwest, and the reservoirs out west are, are, are down to almost zero. We're in a situation where the Colorado River looks more like a stream. There's a lot going on. And I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change and we should do something about it. Can't miss an opportunity to say something like that, which people have told you who are experts in the area. Hurricanes have dissipated, especially in Florida, and their strength has not varied. We're not getting stronger and more and stronger storms. That's not the case. Yeah, um, I a political moment by the president in a moment that really shouldn't be political. Um, and I thought that overall seeing um, Governor DeSantis – and President Biden together during a time of crisis was absolutely the right thing for both of those men to do. Um, so a majority of that meeting in, in Florida was good. And then he injects some politics into it. Uh, I liked every other part of it. I, it's fine. You know what? He's going to say that that's his it's his message. But, I, but then you can also understand where a lot of Floridians who don't want to he- talk about climate change right now and just want to hear about what you're going to do to help us out. will just roll their eyes at a time when they just don't need right. to be rolling their eyes.
Here is President Biden on a moment with the mayor. First, he uh, personalizes his story and says he's had a big fire that burned up half his house. He had a small kitchen fire that lasted 20 minutes. Why can't he just admit to people that you haven't experienced everything that they have? You haven't done civil rights protests. You had a fight with Corn Pop. That's the only thing you could say that you've done that not everybody else has done. Here is – can you imagine if I just said, yeah, I had a fight with Corn Pop? If I tried to personalize (laughs) that? Uh, Here is Joe Biden. Listen to this. No one (laughs) – <laughs> yeah, he, he says no one f's with a Biden. No one f's with a Biden. Well, a couple of days ago, he also said that he was Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> like just politically, though. Politically Puerto Rican. I didn't know you could be politically Puerto Rican. What does that mean? You don't know anything, Carly. You absolutely can be politically Puerto Rican. Oh, really? He said disproportionately in the seventies, there were so many Puerto Ricans in Delaware, which we know is a destination for every Puerto Rican. <laughs> well, uh, and so, then he so felt like a politically Puerto Rican in the seventies. Um, the Puerto Rican population in Delaware was l- like less than half a percent. It was like 0.03. Uh, I so tell totally me, do you know my mom is Puerto Rican? Did not know that. I'm half Puerto Rican. Yes, I am much more Puerto. I am 50 percent more Puerto Rican than. So if you so became, that means that I am politically. So Puerto if you Rican. became president and Puerto Rico got hit by a natural disaster and you appeared there, you could honestly say, "My mom's Puerto Rican." Like from the bottom of my heart, yes. Thank like her, you. Yes, exactly. That's her, the difference between Carly Chimkis yeah, right. and the president. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was really funny. I should talk to my mom about that. How do you feel about being po- him saying he's politically Puerto Rican? Back just, in a moment. It's very funny. Corn Pop was a bad dude. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, we got a few more minutes with Carly Shimkus. Uh, Carly goes from 4 to 6, Fox and Friends first, and then comes in and comes on Fox and Friends right after. So, uh, Carly, we're getting closer and closer to this election. What are your responsibilities on Election Day? Oh, well, I will be here. My bir- You know what? Uh, my birthday is November 7th. And I didn't realize that my birthday was oh so very close to Election Day every two years until I started this job. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's not happening anymore. What will your responsibilities be? I don't think I have any. I think I just do the show, do the radio show. Those are responsibilities. You're going to have. But I'm just in terms of election coverage. Because um, when oh. I was an SB on the promo, that was my first clue mm. that made. You know, I did do midterm uh, man on the street coverage uh, one year out out on Fox Square. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. There was like a whole crowd and I talked to some people. But it was, I mean, there were so many reporters out in the field on all the swing states. So you don't get used that much. I didn't get used that much. But still, it was fun to be asked. It's always fun to be asked. You always have a positive attitude. So we have a mutual friend, Bernie McGurk, passed away. Uh, yeah. So he was uh, the long time. He was the, the comedy on, on IMUS. And then with Bernie and Sid on 77 WABC, which picks up the show in about 15 minutes. So what are your thoughts about him? Well, I was very... I was very sad to hear about his passing. Um, I obviously met Bernie when one of the first days that I, of my career uh, working as I'm his assistant. I always worked at Fox Business. He was at WABC. One of my favorite days every week was when Bernie would come to the studio and do in-studio stuff because I would get to hang out with him. And I just genuinely look forward to being around him. He smart so guy, fu- too. So smart, so fun, so funny and kind. Um, obviously it's no secret that Imus was tough, you know, and I care deeply about Imus too. Everybody has their own opinion of him, but you know, he was hot and cold 
And um, whenever I was, was, you know, getting on me because I, you know, I was assistant. Do you need this? You need that? Blah blah blah. Yelling. Uh, Bernie would always be the one to say, "Carly, this too shall pass. You were going to be okay. Right. Everything is fine." So I really looked to him, sort of a, I don't know, maybe, you know, like not a father figure, but sort of in that vein where you just look to him for a little bit of, you know, shelter um, during the tough time. So I. Uh, I want to honor him and his his life, and I feel for his wife and his two kids, uh, and he will be deeply missed. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, good, great guy. He was here for a while. I think he was technically a contributor for a while because he was with Imus in the building. He was always on. He was on Outnumbered. Yeah, I know. And then he just said, I don't want to work that hard. Is he it? said, I don't want to come. He, goes, <laughs> he already did I don't it, want, man. He goes, I don't want to be at Penn Station doing WABC and yeah. then walk up to Fox News Channel. I'm thinking, why not? But he he made uh, – I miss this was, was hilarious, but all of his sidebar comments, if you listen to old Imus clips, they were always made more funny by Lou and Bernie. I mean, they're just, their timing was hilarious. Oh, yeah. uh, the responses that he had, he was so quick on his feet, um, you know, politically savvy, just like an all around great guy and doing the job that he was born to do. All right. So, on a, on a much more positive note, this was the story earlier this week uh, Cut 50. Yes, uh, your thoughts, because you've been just like catapulted into baseball now. Did you feel the magic of this season? I did, and I loved the moment. And my favorite part was seeing Aaron Judge's mom and how she responded to it. It was a huge sigh of relief from her. History made, and he goes down 62, and he could make, he could do even more. For the Yankees, though? It's all about 28, 28 world championships, 13 right. years since they've been in the World Series. Coach Shimkus, thanks so much. Thank you. Great to see you. And we'll see you tomorrow in the morning. Let's do it. Get some rest. Okay. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Got a big hour coming your way. We're going to be joined by uh, Jason Chaffetz and standing by is Mark Thiessen to bring us in-depth on a lot of issues. Kind of very sad for everyone here. We're lucky enough to be carried by 77 WABC and Bernie McGurk. Bernie McGurk has been um, uh, one of the staples here. And not only at you was at Fox with Imus. And then, of course, when WABC split off and I split off and he was at Penn Station for a while and WABC was there and then went over across town. Always a great guy, extremely funny, passed away at the age of 64, long-term cancer. And he's certainly going to be missed and a real presence in broadcasting for the longest time. So uh, we'll move on from there. And, of course, extremely sad day. But also let's get to uh, the things that are happening right now, the president of the United States in Poughkeepsie, New York, not to talk about that horrific shooting. They killed that parent of a Marist student, uh, two homeless people shooting at each other. Unbelievable. Uh, but he's talking about some chip deal. 
because he doesn't think crime matters. It does. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. We talk about all these other issues, the border, economy, inflation, energy. But it's really crime that threatens to bury Democrats in a month here. It is an issue that is pervasive. It hits people across the country. It's no doubt about it, Molly Hemingway. Crime, it's everywhere. It's not just in the big cities. Delaware, Democratic mayor, they have managed to squelch their crime numbers because they have a DA that does his job and you have a Democratic mayor that will not defund the police. Number two. I think one of the things that you're seeing in this response, we are cutting through the bureaucracy. We are cutting through the red tape. And that's what we're going to do this time around. Come out of it better because we're, this is the United States of America. And I emphasize United. Right. He says the same thing all the time. Cooperation and consternation to Hurricane Ravage Fort Myers. Biden came to town spouting profanities and giving climate change full credit for the calamity. At least he showed class and compliments for the Republican governor. Number one. You can't blame Putin or COVID or the corporations for the rise. Joe Biden put foreign oil and foreign dictators over U.S. jobs and and American energy independence. This is one of the biggest mistakes he's made of his presidency. And that's saying a lot. She went on to say uh, oil wars and what it means to 2022. OPEC Plus puts a fork in President Biden's eye and cuts oil production, therefore raising gas prices for your car and energy prices for your house. Biden's options and actions in response are beyond concerning. Uh, joining us now, Mark Thiessen, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Mark, welcome back. Good to be with you. So a real blow. According to CNN, of all places, they say there's a bit of panic and spasms over the potential outcomes of OPEC's decision, which would turned out to be to cut production. Why? Five weeks? This is the one of the last things you'd want to see, right, Mark? Yeah, well, I mean, he was channeling his inner Jimmy Carter and begging OPEC to increase production. Uh, but, you know, it's not surprising that Saudi Arabia doesn't want to help when he announced that he was going to call, make them a pariah um, coming into office. And because he's been embracing, you know, pushing our Gulf allies to the side and then trying to cut a deal with Iran, which is their number one enemy uh, in the world, which would have given them hundreds of billions of dollars to unleash terror across the Middle East. Uh, so, of course, Saudi Arabia is not cooperating. And so, of course, uh, because he doesn't want to unleash domestic production, what's he doing next? He's going to into, he's going to lift sanctions on Venezuela. And he's going to allow Chevron to go and start drilling there and and allow Venezuela to start exporting oil. So, so much for the battle between autocracy and democracy that he was going to lead. Uh, where, you know, why, why are we, uh, once again, dependent on foreign despots for our oil? We should be energy independent in this country. Donald Trump unleashed a hundred he he made a hundred million acres of public land and water available for exploration biden has leased the fewest acres of federal oil land for oil and gas exploration of any president since world war ii um there the, the, the war on fossil fuels at home is ongoing and we're paying a price for it so now we uh, we empty our strategic oil reserves and now yeah. we are begging venezuela to pump more it says for two in two years if chevron's able to go in there and start working right away then they'll get up to 1.5 million barrels a day and it'll be the dirtiest oil imaginable according to the people in the business and now you have shell making maneuvers there what is the downside, Mark? You have such a complete understanding of foreign policy. The downside of doing business with Venezuela in our hemisphere as a communist country. 
Well, it's a it's a it's not just a communist country and a socialist country. It's a narco socialist dictatorship. So these are narco traffickers. These are people who are flooding flooding our streets with deadly drugs. Um, and then they've got billions of dollars in interest in the in, in the in the drug industry. Um, it's also a, whole, uh, a base for Russian and Cuban and other uh, and even Chinese uh, influence in the region. So you know, making and but putting aside everything else, one of Donald Trump's great achievements was rallying the entire world to deal it to to recognize the Guaido government as the legitimate government of Venezuela and the opposition because of the stolen presidential election and to isolate Maduro. And now because of uh, because he's afraid of losing the midterm elections and the price of oil is, is hurting him politically, uh, he's all of a sudden throwing all that away to try to recognize uh, recognize this government and legitimize this government. It's just shameful. Here's the great Charles Payne to put it in perspective from FBN Cut 11. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, you know, you talk about environmentally, uh, you know, poor, uh, you know, track record in Venezuela. That's also some really heavy crude. It takes a lot of energy to refine it. It is just so stupid, so dumb. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense on any level from a humanitarian point of view, from an economic point of view, from a geopolitical point of view, for the defense and safety of Americans and the world and the Western Hemisphere. It doesn't check any of those boxes. In fact, it makes every single one of them absolutely worse. In January, we're coming out with 539 million barrels of oil a week. Uh, now we're doing 416 million why would we decrease it if you want the price down? And by the way, we have the press secretary because saying we're don't. not going to touch strategic oil reserve. And the next day they change their mind. That to me shows unorganized, says a, a panic. Well, you know what? It's, they don't want the price down. They, they, they actually want high gas prices. They don't want them now right before the election. Uh, they don't want high gas prices at the same time that high food prices and high shelter prices and the worst inflation in four decades overall is, is fumbling the economy. But they do want high gas prices uh, because they see high gas prices, just like just like the government intentionally raised the price of cigarettes to get people to quit smoking. They want to raise the price of gas so we stop using fossil fuels. It's part of their long term strategy. And I mean, Pete Buttigieg essentially admitted this on Cavuto the other day. He said we're taking short term measures. To address uh, to to address gas prices while we make this transition to uh, to away from fossil fuels. If you really cared about lowering gas prices, you'd be taking long-term measures. So they'll do things like release the strategic uh, petroleum preserve, or change the ethanol mix, or uh, you know, and w- have a waiver to do that, or get, you know, get the Saudis and the and the uh, and the Emiratis and other people and the Venezuelans to produce a little bit more gas. Um, but they won't. Uh, increased domestic production here at home. They, they, they suspended all oil and gas leases in, the, in, in Anwar, which Trump approved. They announced just they just announced plans to buck new offshore drilling in the in the Atlantic and Pacific oceans. They they they're trying to ban, they don't have the authority under law to ban fracking. So what they're doing is they're trying to use ozone standards as a way to ban, to ban fracking in the Permian Basin, which is in Texas and in Mexico, to try to curb fracking there. That's where 25 percent of our nation's gas supply comes from. So they're trying to shut that down. Every step they're taking is to try and tamp down domestic production. The only thing that's keeping uh, domestic production up is the fact that gas prices are so high that the, the industry has an incentive to do it. But they're trying to do everything they can to create disincentives for, for oil and gas production at home because they'd rather create oil jobs in Venezuela and Saudi Arabia than in uh, Texas and, and, uh, and uh, Oklahoma and Alaska. So we have, the Republicans have the design on the Senate. They want to hold seats in Pennsylvania 
and uh, hold Republican seats in Pennsylvania as well as Wisconsin. Uh, do you see Dr. Oz closing to the point where he could actually win there? Uh, because he's co- he has never been in the lead against Fetterman, yeah. who is probably the worst candidate I've seen in my lifetime. Cut 33 is Oz yesterday. Yesterday, I was getting the support of the Fraternal Order of Police in, in, this, in the, the northeast uh, part of Pennsylvania. I have the state endorsement already. They don't like John Fetterman because they realize he's in here in present danger. And I had all the press there, the press gaggle, and I asked what you're asking me. Why aren't you asking these difficult questions? Why aren't you helping a, a John Fetterman at least clarify his stance on public safety? And some of these issues on drugs are really harmful to our young ones. He believes that we should decriminalize all drugs and have heroin injection sites. And I was in North Philly at a prayer vigil because we've got so many homicides that we're just trying to come together to bring some peace to the streets. Of course, Fetterman doesn't show up in Philadelphia for these kinds of meetings. But he endorsed a program that Oregon has already put forward with decriminalization of drugs that resulted in a 50 percent increase in drug deaths and a 40 percent increase in homicides. This is what he wants for Pennsylvania. And he is going to Philadelphia. He's going to urban environments. Uh, do you see yeah. the Republicans begin to consolidate around Dr. Oz? Well, it looks it's a uh, Cook political report this week moved it from a uh, lean Democrat to a toss up. So it's a toss up. Uh, it's a, it's a winnable race. Uh, you know, and John Fetterman is a terrible candidate. I mean, this is a guy who he was asked a question. Do if you could wave a magic wand and solve one problem, what would it be? And he said, release people, release convicted murderers with life, uh, life without parole. Uh, not reduce inflation, not reduce crime, not solve the border, free convicted murderers. I mean, if that if, if you can't if you can't beat a guy who can't go string a coherent sentence together because he's had a stroke and wants to release murderers as number one policy initiative, uh, then you don't deserve to be in politics. Ukraine. Um, but it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem in other states because you got J.D. Vance and, you know, so so look at look at Ohio, where Mike DeWine is winning by 17.4. Rob Portman won that seat by 20 points, and J.D. Vance is tied. The the American Crossroads is spending $35 million to save that Senate seat. That's a seat that we should have in our back pocket so we could spend that money somewhere else, Uh, like places like Georgia, where where, uh, Herschel Walker is struggling. We've we've nominated – Unfortunately, at the at the at the suggestion of Donald Trump, so many weak candidates that in in states that we should be killing it and going on the offense in other places. Instead, we're, instead we're wasting money uh, defending and uh, trying to save weak candidates, and it's putting the Senate at risk for a second time for a second straight election. I see. I think Herschel can still win. Do you? I think he can. I think the you know I think the he's got to respond better. I mean the answer the answer is look I'm I'm a I'm a sinner. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And you know I uh, I did some things that I'm not proud of, but uh, but I'm a changed man. And I think every Christian in America would forgive that. Um, but here's the here's the thing. It's just it's you know it's so many so many so many stories. I just hope that what's happening in in Georgia is a lot of Republicans remember what happened. When they didn't vote in the in the runoff and gave it and and that gave two Senate seats to the Democrats and the majority and the trillions and trillions of dollars that we're all paying now because of that decision. And they're going to vote if they don't want to vote for Herschel Walker, they're voting for a Republican majority uh, because that's what it's all about. We just need somebody who's going to vote the right way, not somebody who's perfect. uh, Lastly, I want to get you in on the Ukraine. If they if uh, the Russians get desperate enough to use a nuke. This is what David Petraeus says we should be prepared to do. Cut 39. And still get worse. 
for Putin and for Russia. And even the use of tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield won't change this at all. Jake Sullivan has publicly stated that the U.S. has communicated to Russia what would happen uh, in response to that. And what would happen? Well, again, I have deliberately not talked to Jake about this. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a hypothetical, yeah. um, we would respond by leading a NATO, a collective effort, that would take out every Russian, Russian conventional force that we can see and identify on the battlefield in Ukraine and also in Crimea and every ship on the, in the Black Sea fleet. So do you believe that plan's in place? Uh, I don't know that that plan is in place, but that's the plan that should be in place, without a doubt. I mean, Putin should understand. I don't, I don't think Putin, again, a rational actor would never use nuclear weapons. Strategically, he wouldn't because that would be the end of Russia. Tactically, he wouldn't because that would be the end of his military. It would bring, he's having a hard enough time beating Ukraine. He's going to have an even harder time if, if uh, NATO gets involved in the war, and he doesn't want that. Um, so it, it would be completely irrational for him to do that. Um, so, you know, yeah, I hope that we are privately, that we have that kind of a plan in place, and that we privately communicated what the consequences would be, uh, because whenever Biden says there'll be terrible consequences, it doesn't seem to ever happen. Um, but, you know, just like I don't believe for a second that Joe Biden blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, uh, I don't believe that he's got that plan in place right now. Right. Uh, I just do think that the Ukrainians can win this thing and the Russians have fallen apart. hundred uh, percent. And, uh, and I think that it would be great for the next 50 years if we could stop it. If we don't and they're able to acquire this land, uh, they're going to go to infiltrate in those Baltic nations. They're going to play a role in all these other nations. Uh, their influence will begin to grow, and that relationship with China will flourish. It's got to be stopped, and they got to be humiliated now. The Ukrainians are doing us a favor by destroying the Russian military. Uh, we, without a single American casualty involved, without a single American in in the way, it's it's a, it's a, it's good for Ukraine. It's good for America. We should we should help them decimate the Russians and make sure they're driven out of every single inch of Ukrainian territory. Period. I hear you. I, I hear you, Mark. Just let's make sure their allies do what they're supposed to do and our, tri and our, and our equipment gets to the right people. There's got to be some accountability or else the— I love, I, love, I love watching you on Fox and Friends with your Ukraine flag on your lapel. God bless you, man. Go get it, Mark. Thanks so much. <laughs> And don't forget, One Nation on Saturdays. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll take your calls, one 408 7669 Bottom of the hour, Jason Chaffetz. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's also just not a very effective operation militarily. And it just uh, is interesting that the U.S. seems to have not been aware of it and also not in agreement with, with that sort of approach. So very confusing why they would choose to do it. I think separately does speak to the capability of the Ukrainians to some degree that they've been able to do two things. One, can conduct operations at different types and different locations which is more than I think I expected. And, and separately, they're able, able to keep information and operational control from the United States and, it seems like, from Russia, which is pretty remarkable. It, it seems as if the U.S. knows a lot more about what Russia is doing than what Ukraine is doing, even though they're working with the Ukrainians. Perhaps, or they just don't want to make it public. What Clint Watts, a national security expert, was discussing was the car bomb that blew up 
that the daughter of a Russian official who was anti-Ukraine and pro-Russia and thought that Ukraine should be part of Russia. He's been a sharp uh, critic of Ukraine, of Zelensky, mocking him, and also a close confidant of Vladimir Putin. In his debt, his daughter was riding in his car when it blew up. And she's also been an outspoken critic of Ukraine and a very pro-war. And now she's dead. And it just goes to show you the paranoia that must be taking place with all these Russian officials if Ukraine can get there, because experts say, and I'm sure Russians concluded already, that Ukraine was behind it. They must be saying to themselves, okay, I wonder if they're in my car. I wonder if they're in the, my house. I wonder if assassination, car, uh, assassination crews are going after me. For example, if you're in Crimea, enjoying the season on the beach, not anymore. Nine planes blew up on a tarmac in a peaceful area, and you really think Ukraine wasn't behind that? So now there's a long line of people trying to get out of that area that you acquired and took great pride in. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. When we come back, Jason Chaffetz will join us in studio. He's former chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And we'll talk about this political landscape uh, once and for all and crime and where we stand. Don't move. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Look, it's clear that OPEC Plus is aligning with, with Russia with today's announcement. And, and I'll leave it, I'll leave it as, as, as that, as, as I just laid out. Uh, you know, we're dealing with a time uh, where we're, uh, we are, you know, the global markets, uh, are, the global economy is responding uh, to Putin's war. <sighs> I, I did, you, you know I predicted this, right, Allison? You know, I said this as soon as prices ticked up the first day, I say it's going to be prudent price hike soon. And it took a week. But the reason why the prices are going up is because of Putin's price hike, because of Putin's war. Nothing to do with that. Almost nothing to do with that. Whatever is going to happen, happened. It's already baked in. What's happening yesterday, Jason Chaffetz, was the Saudi Arabia said, you vilified me before you got the job and after you got the job. And then you came in, uh, you came down to visit me, at which time you asked me to increase production. I didn't. And now I'm going to decrease production because you continue to talk to Iran and try to get Iran back online. And that terroristic country, that terroristic country would like nothing more to be able to put their oil in the global market and be able to lift those sanctions and get some of those revenues and help Hamas, Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad. Yeah, if you look at what uh, Donald Trump, Jared Kushner, Robert O'Brien, what that group was able to do in actually triangulating and making it better for America, not only in I don't our know if you energy mentioned Jared versus- Kushner, but Jared Kushner as well. Yeah, yeah. But you know, making the energy uh, markets better for the United States, but bringing world peace a- along the way too. Uh, Trump does not get enough credit for this. Joe Biden has totally dismantled that, done everything he could. I, I, I got to tell you, this is it's reminiscent of Jimmy Carter. I mean, think about it. Joe Biden was elected four years before Jimmy Carter was president. For goodness sake, my goodness. I, he's been there. You would think he would learn these lessons. But our dependency on on it, this line out of the White House is so bo- so bogus. 
Price goes down, they take all the credit. Price goes up, they blame it on Putin. And it is a complete fiction. It is a total lie. So the, the Wall Street Journal had this exclusive story today. It says he's, they're going to look to ease right now the, the uh, sanctions on Venezuela, enable Chevron to pump oil. Uh, the deal would require Caracas to open up talks with political opponents with the aim of a free election in 2024. Now, uh, the you said to me that Admiral John Kirby just told Stuart Varney that this is not true. Yeah, just before I came on the radio, I was sitting next to Stuart Varney while he interviewed John Kirby. He, Kirby basically flat out denied that there was any discussions, that the Wall Street Journal article was wrong. And I I have a hard time believing that the journal got it wrong. I wonder if Kirby's going to eventually, before the end of the day, have to walk that back. But he said they were not in negotiation, not in a discussion and that uh, they had to have a lot of progress from Venezuela before they'd even talk to them. Well, the other thing is they have no infrastructure. They're not capable of doing this because Maduro, a bus driver, took over for Hugo Chavez, died of brain cancer, as able to metastasize that cancer of socialism and communism through South and Central America. This is an evil regime. And we know, too, that John Bolton led the charge to recognize Juan Guaido as the real leader. We got our allies to do that. And now this is the second time I hear we've reached to Venezuela to come back online with oil production, including opening up these uh, these natural gas fields in the in um, in the open waters offshore gas fields that could make be against our interests because we produce natural gas. Yeah, this I'd love to hear Marco Rubio, who I'm sure before the end of the day is gonna gonna weigh in on this. He he probably knows more about Venezuela than any uh, member of Congress. Uh, but I would also say, let's pretend that they did have the infrastructure. Why do we take a dictator and give him Build all the benefits? Up. Why not take this stuff to Wyoming and Texas and Utah and Nevada, where we can actually have American jobs with Americans? This is the choice that Biden continues to make and why he's so tone deaf. Yes, I need politically to drive down the price of gas, but I won't make those American jobs. Jason, we just got six hostages out of Venezuela. Do you think there was a prison overcrowding problem? Uh, here is that actual statement that you just referred to from John Kirby. There is, There are no active negotiations going on right now to change our sanctions policy with respect to Venezuela, Stuart. The Maduro regime still has a lot of work to do. Uh, uh, to convince us that there needs to be any change in our policy. So uh, there's no there's no negotiations. There's no sanctions policy change to speak of at this time. I, 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 well, we're going to find out who's right and who's wrong. But it, it, this administration, though, I think the Wall Street Journal what documented this very well. I think the, the administration has got to come clean on this because it doesn't smell right. It, it, it just doesn't. So the other thing they did is continue to take a ten, another 10 million barrels of oil out of our strategic oil reserve. But this is yeah. what they said 48 hours ago. Karine Jean-Pierre, cut five. So we're not considering uh, new releases releases from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, beyond the 180 million, which is what you're talk, speaking about, about the 1 million uh, that the president announced months ago. We, we don't have anything more to share or we're not going to be uh, considering new releases. Well, she's obviously out of the loop and totally worthless in her position. Are you kidding me? They didn't just wake up in the morning and flip the switch. Um, this puts our country at more risk. This is there for natural disasters, other, you know, wars. I have another theory. Like Tell me if I'm wrong. That they thought at the last minute that OPEC Plus would back off their rumors to cut production 
So that's why she felt comfortable saying that, because they thought that they could do things behind the scenes not to do that. But instead, they go, hey, it helps Russia. Let's do this. And they make us look terrible. And evidently, CNN's reporting, uh, there was uh, there was panic. Uh, there was they were having a spasm and panicking over the potential outcomes of this two million dollar cut because you know you're you're you have political roots. When you have high gas prices, it's hard for your party to say it's not my fault when you're in power. Yeah, no, I think they know that this is killing the economy, killing the American people. But maybe they should have thought about that before the first week of the Biden administration, because when they shut down Anwar, when they got rid of the permitting uh, uh, processes and made it more difficult, when they got rid of the pipeline, when they did all of these things, guess what? There was a consequence and they're living that out. The reason America knows it's off track is because of the Biden-Harris policies. Policy got us in this position, not Putin. I would uh, factor in something else. Um, You also have a situation where Henry Cuellar relayed a story uh, that Mayorkas told him, that Mayorkas was told told Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, that the left-wing immigrant groups have gotten to the president and he can't do anything. His hands are tied. The whole thing is open up the border. And I thought that was the most damning statement that Shannon Bream got from Bill Malusian on Sunday. It is a stunning story. This Henry Cuellar, I served with him in Congress. He's a Texas Democrat right there on the border. I think who he, they primary twice. Yes, who they, they they tried to push out of the party. But for him to say, I have a firsthand account of the Secretary of Homeland Security and that I'm being told to open up the border and not do my job – Again, I think that's where I line up behind some of these other senators and whatnot that want to have this person impeached. I know there are House members as well. Mayorkas is not up to his job. He's not doing his job, and he is lying to the American people when he tells people that the border is secure. Uh, Jason, what I'd like to do when we get back is break down the Senate races, some of the key races. We know it's going to be Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. We also know that Georgia and Arizona will make or break the direction of our country and maybe the future of the filibuster. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You would think that this guy was a conservative Republican based on his TV ads. He acts like he's tough on China, even though he's trying to destroy the American energy sector, which is a critical part of fighting back against China. He says that he supports tough on border policies. He's never seen an amnesty piece of legislation, Sean, that he hasn't voted for. And he's just it's a crazy campaign strategy to effectively lie about every position you've ever had in order to win a Senate seat. And it came out today, Sean, that he's helping. He's being funded. If you're in Ohio, you see a TV commercial. It's being funded by some of the companies that help call. The opioid problem. This is the kind of guy that Tim Ryan is. Tim Ryan is saying, don't like President Biden. Uh, it, the Democrats, a bad word um, for the working class. Uh, he has come out against the student loan forgiveness. Jason Chaffetz here. J.D. Vance is frustrated because he's fighting against a guy who's voted totally different than he's campaigning, is acting totally different than he was in Congress. 
He's more like the guy we thought he was when he challenged Nancy Pelosi to run for speaker. But this is pretend time for Tim Ryan. It is pretend time. Look, I served with uh, Tim Ryan in the in the Congress. Uh, he and I were both on the budget committee. This is not a person who uh, believes in fiscal discipline. It is not somebody who has uh, done anything, lifted a finger to secure our borders, didn't do anything in terms of the energy production. J.D. Vance is absolutely, totally right. These people are running uh, as Republicans, as conservatives, but it's a lie. It's a facade. You understand his frustration. And Mark Thiessen, you weren't here. You were on television, joined us on radio a half hour ago, and he said, Portman won that by 20 points. Right. Uh, DeWine's up by a lot. Why does J.D. Vance have a one-point advantage? Why does he only have a one-point advantage? Uh, I don't know, but I think voters will look at that and see a D, uh, a Democrat, and I don't think they'll they'll have a— an easy way of justifying that type of vote. Um, Tim Ryan is a chameleon. He's out there in sheep's clothing uh, saying that, hey, everything's great. Look how conservative and independent I am. But he's really not. And I served with him. I saw it up close and personal. So Dr. Oz was uh, is closing the gap by almost all accounts against a beleaguered uh, Fetterman, former lieutenant governor, governor, coming off a stroke and struggling big time. But I think the bigger story is what he stands for. I think what he stands for is just think Bernie Sanders. He says Bernie Sanders is the guy he supported that he uh, he identifies with best. That's not my words. It's his. So why would Bernie Sanders would get 20 percent of the vote in Pennsylvania Uh, right now? Dr. Oz is not led in any polls, but most agree he's within three in Pennsylvania from what you know. Uh, Look, uh, Fetterman, um, he is taking a position on his policies that are so far radical to the left. You may say, oh, we kind of like the the hoodie and that kind of look and, and a little bit of defiance, but that his policies to suggest that, that Bernie Sanders is the right guy, look at the policies of Bernie Sanders. It is a very radical departure from what I think the good people of – Philadelphia and Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh and across the Harrisburg, all across the 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 state uh, stand for it. And I think Oz has gotten better on the campaign trail, too. He needs to continue to go out and pound on those issues. And the debate, it's going to be fascinating to watch this. I think there should be more than one, and I think it should have been a longer debate, but I'm still very much looking forward to that debate. Look like Herschel Walker's debate got canceled, and Fetterman says, give me 60 minutes, but I want it on closed caption because I'm having trouble processing words. Yeah. My goodness. And you want so to be then, a senator? So Oz says, yeah, that make it 90 minutes because in an hour, we're going to get four questions in by the time you read it and understand it, and who knows what else is going to be said to you. So he's lowered the bar to such an extreme. If he's able to stand up on his own big feet, he'll probably do better than many people thought. Next. Mandela Barnes, his stance on crime, on criminal justice, on race relations, problematic. Maybe not as problematic a year ago as it is right now. Listen to what he said, for example, about the riots in Wisconsin. Cut 36. Is what we're seeing in whole, is it a riot or is it rebellion? It's frustration. It's frustration. People, you can't you can't tell people how to be frustrated. And like, I, I go back to the same point over and over again. This didn't come out of nowhere. Folks didn't just wake up and decide that we're going to break some glass. We're going to set some things on fire. So on one hand, you have the protests that are sending the message directly to leadership, making demands, very specific demands. And you have people uh, who are doing damage. 
So that's how he views the riots, especially in Wisconsin, Waukesha, and other other riots that we witnessed. So with it's Jacob a, yeah, Blake. Yeah, it's all justified. You know, uh, look, we have good reason to do this. Uh, it's not just breaking glass; it's causing terror within these local communities, and that is again a very very radical position. Right. So over there, he is now trailing Ron Johnson, who we know yeah. notoriously polls low, yeah, but wins. Yeah, Ron Johnson. Look. Very successful, tenacious, works hard, great businessman. Um, I think he prevails again in Wisconsin. He knows how to campaign. He knows the state. Um, it's in his blood. Uh, I, he, he, he's done exceptionally well, and you're right. Polls poorly gets people out to vote for him. Ted Cruz weighed in uh, in the middle of, I guess, swashbuckling across Texas, said this about what he's hearing on the ground. Cut 29. People are energized. They're They're pissed off at the idiots in Washington, at the direction of the country. They're mad at inflation. They're mad at gas prices. They're mad at crime. They're mad at the chaos at our southern border. And they're furious at the cultural Marxists who are trying to destroy our country. And that's why I think it's going to be such a fundamental wave election this year. I don't think he would have said that in August. I think things feel different now when we're in October, Jason Chaffetz. Well, the country gets more focused on these elections, and I think the wokeism that, that the, the left has advocated will catch up with them in a big, big way. But you're right. He, Ted Cruz is right. Inflation, energy prices, crime, um, the, the lack of security on the border – all of these things do not portend very well for the uh, for the Democrats. You're going to be heading out to Nevada, where you believe Adam Laxalt is primed to flip a seat. Yeah, uh, Laxalt, former Attorney General, his, you know his father served in the United States Senate, very well known name. He's campaigning, working hard against a senator that is pretty pretty silent. I think if you look at Arizona and Nevada, uh, you have. Huge uh, populations, the Mormon population, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, they are literally millions of people within those two states that that will vote, and they're very conservative in their approach. They're very patriotic. They will show up, and um, I I think that looks good for not only Blake Masters there um, in Arizona, but uh, Adam Laxalt in Nevada as well. Knowing that the Senate in two years is almost guaranteed to flip, do you believe that if the Democrats hold the Senate, the filibuster's history, even though they either do as much as I can for the next two years, or I better not flip it because we're going to lose total control on a simple majority if we lose it? I, I think as long What's your as your projection, I like as long as Kirsten Cinema is there um, and Joe Manchin, and if it's fifty-fifty, and it's fifty-fifty, it, it's not going to move. She's what if not it up is? On the ba- what if it's fifty-two forty-eight? Uh, they very well could. And they, look, if there's some, you know, these people will they? I think they because want don't to. Don't they think about what happens next? You would think so. But Harry Reid, when he was in control, he should have thought about what happened next. He doesn't realize that what goes around comes around. Um, and I think there are a lot of people, too many people on the Democratic side that have gone over to that to that position. It's dangerous. I, I rank crime. I rank inflation economy the same bracket. And now I can't believe I'm saying this because I always thought this way, but I think the American people do, too. Now, the border. Yeah. How do you top three issues right now? Yeah, I think I would add into that top tier the wokeism. I, I think fighting women on sports and all all this gender discussion for a true independent, I think it really gets to a lot of people. And then other people would say education, too. Yeah, uh, the whole it fall, thing, the it, it, hand in glove with education. Uh, always great to have you. Jason thanks, Chavitz, thanks so much. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show from New York City. Uh, don't move. 
from high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being there, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669 from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We have a lot to discuss today as we get closer and closer to Election Day. Uh, One of the major issues is going to be the economy. The big issue now is crime. The other issue is going to be oil and gas because OPEC Plus wants to make it clear they are not a fan of Joe Biden, and we're all going to pay the price because of it. While most people uh, are also can't talk about issues that matter most and not talk about the war in Ukraine and the remarkable turn of events that has this so-called superpower who like to flex their muscles over the last 25 years and take land without a fight in Crimea and Georgia and play a major role in Syria Finally, having their, their military heads handed to them by a very motivated opponent. Dan Bilak will be with us shortly. Uh, Bilak, I should say, member of the Territorial Defense Forces of Ukraine, former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine. So before we get to him, and at the bottom of the hour, Brandon Steiner on the fun stuff. Aaron Judge's homer. If you got that homer, you have in your hand, if you had the ball, $2 million. No joke. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We talk about all these other issues, the border, economy, inflation, energy. But it's really crime that threatens to bury Democrats in a month here. It is an issue that is pervasive. It hits people across the country. Uh, There it is. Molly Hemingway talking about crime and the administration ignoring it. The president of the United States in Poughkeepsie, the site of a tragic killing of a parent of a Marist student in that college who just happened to be getting coffee at a Marriott and a, a career criminal shoots him arbitrarily in the lobby dead. Yet the president won't even go to that Marriott and to let everybody know that crime matters. Number two. I think one of the things that you're seeing in this response, we are cutting through the bureaucracy. We are cutting through the red tape. And that's what we're going to do this time around. Come out of it better because we're, this is the United States of America. And I emphasize United. United States of America, yes, cooperation, yet consternation in hurricane-ravaged Fort Myers in Florida. As President Biden came to town spouting profanities, yep, and giving climate change full credit for the calamity, at least he showed class and compliments to the Republican governor. Number one. You can't blame Putin or COVID or the corporations for the rise. Joe Biden put foreign oil and foreign dictators over U.S. jobs and and American energy independence. This is one of the biggest mistakes he's made of his presidency. And that's saying a lot because we also have Afghanistan, oil wars and what it means to 2022. OPEC Plus puts a fork in President Biden's eye and cuts oil production, therefore raising gas prices for your car and energy prices for your house. Biden's options and actions in response are beyond concerning. Word is, and now somewhat denied is that we're going to ask Venezuela to pump more when all we have to do is ask American companies to do the same thing. Also, a quick mention, Bernie McGurk has passed away at the age of 64, one of the finest, most funniest and finest talents in radio, Uh, a staple on 77 WABC with Sid Rosenberg, uh, passed away after a long battle with cancer. Just a great guy. You saw him all over this building, especially when Imus was coming from this building when he had his radio TV show year. 
uh, and just will will be missed. And we always loved having him on. Uh, on a different note, somebody who sadly has to deal with a lot of death and destruction, thanks to Vladimir Putin, is our next guest, Daniel Bilak, a member of the uh, Ukrainian, I guess, defense team, the government, and a former advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine and head of Ukraine Invest. Daniel, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Always great to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Daniel, I think it's in, almost impossible to overstate the turn of events over the last few weeks that we've been talking almost every other week now since Russia started this war back in February. First off, in the South, in people were fearing of losing Odessa and after they lost Kyrgyzstan. Now they're saying they've got to get that city back. How close is that to happening, do you think? Well, they're moving. They're 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 averaging about uh, eight to ten settlements a day. So they're they're within they're less than a hundred kilometers from Kherson uh, as uh, as we speak. Um, you know, they, the the Russians just have have uh, have completely uh, collapsed. I mean, uh, I don't think uh, you know they're they're going to be able to mount an offensive or, or even a defense that uh, that's going to be sustainable. So. You know, I don't want to. I, I don't want to overstate it because uh, lots can happen. Uh, but uh, uh, and there's a lot of them out there. Uh, but we need to move fast. Uh, I think the strategy is to move as fast as possible before this uh, crazy mobilization effort uh, kicks in and 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 you know they throw more bodies at uh, at us. But you know we've already seen the the, the bodies piling up as as our troops. Uh, are, are moving uh, through these through these towns, and it's just just a waste of life. Yeah, and the Russians leave their bodies behind, and it just shows how little they care about the people of their own people. I mean, they just don't care. Their yeah. bodies are strewn on the streets. They they're looking to burn them before they go back. They don't want to hear the backlash. Do they understand these are people with lives and families? They don't. Now um, we understand that the, the Vladimir Putin has annexed four uh, areas of your country, four regions. How much? Uh, what what percentage of those regions does does his army currently occupy? Well, it depends. It depends where. Um, it uh, they 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 occupy most most of Luhansk. Although every day, you know, the the, the land that he claims to have annexed is shrinking. Uh, they can't even define what the boundaries are because uh, because they, they they can't hold the, the territories. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 decreasing as uh, as as each day passes. Uh, here is what General Jack Keane says: You have to worry about when it comes to mobilized Russian troops. Cut forty. Despite the fact that Putin is going to mobilize hundreds of thousands of troops, many of them are going to be physically and medically unfit, and certainly uh, psychologically and emotionally not ready to go fight and die uh, in Ukraine on the battlefield there. So when these troops do show up, while quantity always has a quality all of its own, it, it will help them to some degree, but it's not, and I say not going to be decisive. So the Ukrainians can still have the upper hand. So the 300,000 they tried to mobilize, it basically cost tens of thousands to call um, had tens of thousands head to the border and leave the country rather than serve. So the ones that are drafted, how ready are they expected to be? Well, Brian, I use myself as a, as a, as a marker. You know, seven, seven months ago, um, I, didn't, I, I, I barely held a gun in my entire life. And, you know, I've, I've had seven months of training uh, with my unit. And, you know, I, I, know, I know a little bit more now. 
you know, I'm at least not a danger to my own uh, unit, and I could probably uh, be a little bit of a danger to somebody else. But, you know, you're taking – I look at these guys who are me seven months ago. Um, they're just going to be cannon fodder. Uh, if, if they put me on the front lines uh, at that time, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And when you don't know what to do uh, out in the battlefield, uh, you're a danger to yourself, you're a danger to other people, and, and you're going to die. I mean, he's, he's called this mobilization since that time – 260,000, almost now almost 300,000 people, men, have left Russia. That's more than invaded Ukraine in February 24th uh, of this year. And, uh, uh, you know, basically he's left with people who are sick, who are older, who uh, don't have the training, um, and and they're dying already. Um, it makes would, no difference. That actually, it, it hasn't impacted our military campaign at all, and and it won't because you know, as the general said, you it takes time to train these troops, and and they don't have that kind of time. It would take months for them to become battle ready, and in months, uh, you know, this is going to be our our we're going to take back a whole bunch, a lot more territory. This is going to be a very very different picture. Do you who who's uh, the winter looms? Who do, whose advantage does that work to, or will everything just go on hold like Afghanistan did? Well, look, we we have the whole country is we have total resistance. The whole country is supporting the army, so we have volunteers now uh, plugging the gaps that the military has in supplying their troops with winter gear. I'm involved with a, a group called Ukraine Freedom Fund, former U.S. Marines that are. We have an, a winter program now, trying to source a kit and uh, and and clothing for our, our troops. Um, you know, these guys are going to, the Russian guys are going to freeze out there. And plus, we, we've, got the, we've got the equipment. Um, you know, the, the American, I cannot overstate how much American HIMARS and 155 millimeter howitzers and, and other equipment have, have changed the course of this war. Our guys are brave, and our women uh, are, are brave and, and motivated, and we will fight right to the, to the last person. Uh, if we have to. But, you know, if we didn't have the equipment that we were getting from the people of the United States, um, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are today. It's, it's been a fundamental game changer. And I can't tell you how grateful we are to the people of the United States for, for the support that we've had. And we can't level off now. You just got to go for the win. Is the rest of Europe doing what they're supposed to be doing? Because I hear Germany's not delivering. It... it, it... Look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody. Uh, we could. I, I feel personally that, that that some countries, including the one you mentioned, could be could be doing more. Um, it takes a very long time. Negotiates are very anxious and nervous. Everybody's now freaked out. I just I just got back from uh, uh, from the EU uh, today, and you know everybody's freaked out about the whole uh, nuclear threats and and everything else. And you know you, you just got you just got to man up. I mean I don't want to discount. Putin's threat to to use nuclear weapons, but at the same time he he's he's doing what he always does when he's losing and when he's desperate he changes the conversation, and what he wants is to get America in particular to back down, and and stop uh, uh, supplying us and 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 supporting us. And the problem with that, uh, Ryan, is that if you if you do that if you succumb to that kind of pressure that blackmail then basically you are increasing the chances of nuclear war instead of decreasing those chances. Because he's just going to take whatever he can get now, whatever 
peace, whatever you, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's not going to be a peace. He gets to keep what he, he gets to keep what he's got. Then he just regroups. He's got a, now a forward staging point, and then he goes for the Baltic states and, and Poland. And that's when American troops start dying in, in Europe. And it's so important right now uh, that we recognize Russia for what it is. It's a terrorist state run by a terrorist leader. You can't negotiate with terrorists. You can't believe a single word that they say. Nothing that they, that they agree to is going to be uh, uh, honored uh, by them. And, uh, you know, we got to continue, uh, along with our American allies and our other allies, to press the advantage. We, we just can't win this war. We are winning this war, and we will win this war. And this will be a victory for all democracies. We, we're now living in a bipolar world, Brian. I mean, it's clear that we have democracies against autocracies. China's watching this very, very carefully. America's strategic interests are at stake in, in Ukraine. This isn't about helping some country out and giving some assistance. China's going to see if America backs down both from supplying Ukraine in, in terms of uh, supporting a democracy and in uh, backing down against nuclear blackmail, they're going to do the same thing. And other countries that have nuclear weapons are going to do the same thing. And America is going to have a lot more vulnerability and a lot more problems than if we, if we stay the course, defeat Putin in Russia, in, in Ukraine. If you defeat Putin, if we defeat Putin together in Ukraine now, it means that there are things are going to change inside Russia. We already see the political reality and the political dynamic uh, uh, starting to starting to shift. He's desperate. This is not a uh, he's not doing this and, and making these threats from a position of, of of strength and confidence. He's making this these threats from a position right. of, of weakness and desperation. So the uh, U.S. intelligence agencies believe. The Ukrainian government authorized the car bomb attack near Moscow that killed Daria Dugina. The the attention target was probably her dad. She is also outwardly pro-war, anti-Ukraine. What could you tell us about that? Yeah, Brian, I, first of all, uh, you know, it's the New York Times, you know, that, that, that reported this. Reuters. Uh, with, uh, without attribution, with no evidence. Oh, yeah, you're right, the New York I, I Times. Be, I, would, yeah. I would be like shocked if, if this was actually a, a Ukrainian operation. Uh, I mean, we have other things to focus on than, than taking out people like this um, and, and how we would even do this in Moscow with all of the, uh, the security that, that, that these people have around them is, is just beyond me. Um, this is all part of the propaganda. I, this is all straight out of the Kremlin talking points. And it's to sow, it's to sow dis, uh, dissent. It's to sow uh, discord among the allies. It's to divert, you know, the Russians are now uh, getting the left to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, the Americans blew up the Nord Stream pipeline the other, the other day. I mean, I, I would be shocked. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine how that would happen. And so the thing is, we start talking about other things other than what is really going on. And it starts to so what they want is to make people feel that, well, you know, maybe we should just give in now. But you know, if if you give in now, it's just, you can't you can't uh, you're, you're going to just create many many more problems, and it will not be in in America's interest to to do that. By the way, it was Trump that wanted to kill the Nord Stream two pipeline. Biden was the one who green lighted it. It wasn't until the Russian invasion in which he stopped it. So I find it almost impossible to think that we would blow it up. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, it- Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, Daniel Billack, thanks so much. Always great. So glad you're winning. Keep to keep it up.
Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Brian. You got All it. Uh, you got it. Uh, we'll come back. I'll take some of your calls. I see your numbers up there. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Three of the four are illegal aliens. And so these are people that are foreigners. They, they're illegally in our country. And not only that, they try to loot and ransack after, in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, they should be prosecuted, but they need to be sent back to their home country. They should not be here at all. Well, that is uh, Governor DeSantis. Couldn't believe the looters found three of the four were actually uh, illegal aliens. Unbelievable. When the, when the governor comes out so strong against those here, illegally actually ships some over to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, and hopefully the looting will not persist. But it was I've got a lot of emails, so I'm just going through them now. You go to BrianKillMe.com. One is just great. We talk about electric vehicles all the time. That's where the president wants to head. Well, scenes of the hurricane damage show many vehicles in all stages being underwater. How are we going to be forced into these EVs, therefore have no electric vehicle flood damage compared to gas-burning vehicle? What about a car wreck? If, if, a, uh, if, a, uh, if the batter case of broken, cracked, or damaged is irreparable, is that a $10,000 battery replacement? Buying these EVs is one thing for upkeep and maintenance repairs. What about that? Great point. I had a hybrid and they told me it's gonna, the battery's going to last 10 years, but when it is up, it'll cost you over $10,000. And I thought, wow, but it'll last 10 years. I go, how do you know? You guys just came up with it. And by the way, those batteries have to be made in China or parts have to be made in China. And that's where the rare earth comes in. Very good point. Where are you going to plug in after a, a natural disaster like a hurricane? Not much electricity there, but if I had some gas, I could certainly drive. If you want to see me on stage, a chance to talk about history from 1776, not 1619, uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, you want to see me in Tulsa, Oklahoma, November 13th, or on the 12th in Brandon, Mississippi. Let's go, Brandon. Or December 2nd in New, Newark, New Jersey. Just go to BrianKillMe.com. Just click on the day, uh, buy now, and then I will see you live. VIP opportunities. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. High fly ball, deep left. There it goes, sailing into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Aaron Judge is the American League single season home run leader. The AL King. Case closed. And that is the story of the baseball season. And that's the future MVP of the league, American League, and that is Aaron Judge. He did not get the triple crown, missed it by four points, sat in the last day, and he did struggle to get 60 and uh, 61 and then 62. But it was a historic season, especially when you look behind him and see there's, there's no Mickey Mantle at 56 pushing him. I mean, I think the next most was 40 or 38 home runs. Brandon Steiner does not get too excited about many things because he's seen the best in the business up close and personal, and he is this nation's leader in collectibles when it comes to sports. We always love having him on. Brandon Steiner, founder and president of Collectible Exchange and the Steiner Agency. Brandon, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Everything good? It's good. I mean, good. Uh, good. Yeah. First off, put in perspective 
forget about the guy that's going to get $2 million for the ball he caught, a vice president in a financial firm. Put in perspective what Aaron Judge did. I mean, I think it's, a, it's just an amazing year. I mean, usually somebody who hits for that kind of power, you know, the, fact, the way he played right field, hitting for average, uh, dealing with, you know, the, the walks. You know, when you look at his on-base percentage and, and the dominance, he and especially doing it in New York, it's amazing. Um, and a lot of pressure, you know, especially when the game's at the stadium and, and it goes silent, right? You know, usually you're used to this flow of noise and everything, and all of a sudden it gets silent. Everybody's taking pictures. So I think that was kind of a little bit messed up. If you're a player, you probably know what I'm talking about, where all of a sudden, you know, entire stadium goes silent right before the pitch. That's crazy. By the way, you're a little short on the two mil. I, I, first of all, I think if it happened at Yankee Stadium, you're probably getting closer to maybe to three, three and a half million. I think there's a two and a half million dollar ball at Cedar all along. It's going to be interesting what this guy decides to do, if anything. What's funny is that's why I created Collectible Exchange. So that guy, when he gets the ball in the stands, could immediately pop a photo of it, put it up on my website, so it's a marketplace, and immediately it's in auction mode. Because you want to sell this thing, Brian. You sell this thing quickly. The emotions, the hype, and you know how New Yorkers are. You so, don't have to say the word and, hype and, twice. And I'll tell you why, Brandon. You're probably getting to this. You've said whoever got Mark McGuire's 70th homer yep. got three, gave, paid $3 million for it. It would get surpassed, because no one ever thought people would get to 70. It would get surpassed by Barry Bonds. And both would be stapled. Uh, Mark McGuire would admit it, and we all know that Barry Bonds cheated. They used performance-enhancing drugs. So you make that investment, you think, I got this piece of history, and then you find out it's worthless. Well, here's the thing. It is, to some degree, only worth in the eye of the beholder, and it's a, it's a great achievement, especially because it's a Yankee thing. And, you know, Yankee things always get the double hype. But the PR and the media and the press that you get around that easily pays for the ball and then some. So whatever you can get for the ball, that's even better. But you've got to be a person that can that really – that notoriety, the PR and the hype of having your name and the company, whatever you're involved in, pays off, which takes me to a side note. I'm thinking the guy's a private equity guy, got a lot of money. Do you go to judge and have them do some endorsements for some of the companies that you've invested in to help them give you a push? That's a great idea. So, you know, so but who would buy NFT? it? Does judge buy it? Do the Yankees buy it? Does the Hall of no, Fame buy it? No, no, they're not going to spend that kind of money. No way. It's going to be uh, another ego-centric, very wealthy person who has a crazy collection or wants some of that hype for their company or their store where they can put it on exhibit. But make no mistake, judge hasn't walked away with nothing. He still has his jersey. It's a seven-figure item. The bat's probably easily worth as much as the ball. And then you've got bases, home plates, and one who's getting all that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot here, a lot of money being made. If you've got a foul ball from one of his at-bats, those are all pre-marked. Get him to sign that ball. That's a pretty penny worth some money. And now all your home runs from that year, if you happen to get one of those balls, and you can prove that it was a home run ball, which you can do now with photo matching, those are worth something. You know, you get his first home run of the year, his 10th home run of the year. Those are all valuable now. So a whole bunch of collectibles kind of went up. By the way, make sure you have me penciled in when LeBron breaks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. we got to talk about that ball because that's – I mean, what a great time. Is that going to be this year? Should that... I think it's – yes, it's going to be this year. Yeah, I don't wonder what – I mean, that's going to be an amazing record to break, and maybe that's his start of greatness. Because I don't know if he gets the full respect and love, as Judge really didn't prior to this year. 
And uh, what a perfect time for him to get the love and respect. I'm hoping the guy calls me up and says, Brandon, I'm, I'm giving Collectible Exchange the ball. Here you go. I'm doing an NFT with it. And I'm not huge on the NFTs, but I figure 50,000 people in the stadium want that digital experience, maybe for 100 bucks each. And then I'm auctioning off the ball. Boom. We get to over 3 million, maybe even three and a half. So this guy's name is, um, uh, he works for JP. He's JP Cohen, president of Memory Link yeah. Inc. So he is his, his wife, we know, is a sportscaster in Dallas. And we know he's not hurting for money, so it's not going to be life-changing. It's one of those stories. So we'll see what he does to it. So you think the $2 million figure is low? Yeah, I do. Only because, you know, us New Yorkers, you know, Yankees, you know, it's the great franchise. And, and it's just, it also associated with a record of, you know, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle. You know, we're talking about that kind of – and the kind of year he had. I think the longer he waits – that does could waver, especially depending on how the Yankees do in the playoffs. You know, Yankee fans could get very bitter if the Yankees don't get on a run here. So I think he really needs to move quickly on this. Uh, I, I wouldn't sit on this ball if he really wants to get the maximum amount of money. He's gotten some good pop and play the last couple of days. It's time for him to step forward and talk about what he wants to do with the ball. And I'm hoping he still calls me because I think I still have the best chance to make him the most amount of money in the most creative way. Yeah, I should say his name is Corey Yeomans, and already emailed is the president of Memory Lane, Inc. in, in Tustin, California, told the AP that he has texted an email with Corey and said the man who caught the ball and offered the $2 million. So we'll see, yeah. where, we'll see where that goes. We'll see where this yeah, goes. It's going to work. Because $2 million, you know, what happens to $2 million, only becomes a million when it's all said and done, and that's not going to move the needle for him. I think he needs to do something more creative and more fun than that. So, I mean, this uh, baseball's in dire need of mythical figures. Otani, is he another one? Yes, absolutely. Surprised, but the Angels are always very quick on this, unlike the Yankees in a sense. They jumped on it, avoided the arbitration, now have him for another year, hopefully work out a much bigger deal uh, because he's, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. And um, he does draw. He brings a lot of sponsorship dollars. You know, people know that that very popular Japanese players know that millions of dollars in sponsorships come from Japan and, and from the Japanese following that happens around the country. So he's extremely valuable commodity. It would help, especially even for Trout on that matter, you know, two great names. It would help if they actually start winning. Um, and and then, then you really got a ball game. I know you love baseball and the majesty of it, but don't you think baseball once again has to address the steroid era? And, you know, they got two things. They got the hits king who's not allowed in the Hall of Fame because of gambling, which is now allowed everywhere. Number two is you now have Barry Bonds, who says he's the single-season home run king and the all-time king beating Hank Aaron. Other people who are purists say, no way, Hank Aaron's my guy. Well, I watch, you know, Aaron Judge says, no, I grew up on the West Coast. Uh, the The number 73 with... Uh, Barry Bonds. Don't you think baseball's got to make a ruling that coasting doesn't work? I think so. I, I, you know, I agree with you. I mean, first of all, I put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, and a lot of people out there don't agree, but I've done these surveys on my Facebook. Most people, most, want to see him get in. I did a survey about who, whether you do whether you sell the Aaron Judge ball or keep it. Out of 500 responses, 360 said they'd give it back to him for nothing. So I removed those people off my Facebook, by the way. But Absolutely. They can't be on. I mean, that's insane. But I'll tell you something. It's very confusing. It's the big elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. I think baseball needs to make a stand, and they need to make a stand quickly. 
and figure this thing out. And I'm hoping that the cheating also is no longer because you hear rumors about blood spinning. You hear rumors about different things the players are doing to enable them to play better, but are within the rules. So you're wondering, are some players getting some unfair advantages? That's you hear in the rumorville, uh, especially when you see, you know, so many pitchers pitching 100 miles an hour and certain things happening. You wonder, are we going through another phase? We just don't know it. I've got to bring it to something else. I'm not sure that this is exactly your arena, but eventually will be. Uh, golf matters. Uh, Tiger Woods, bigger than life, like Michael Jordan. I understand it. Jack yes. Nicholas, oh, of course. But then in comes Live Golf, and the best players yes. in today's game are there. Well, most of them, two thirds of them, are there. Yeah. As we get, it's almost the USFL, WFL splitting the NFL. The baseball hasn't had that. Where does where does this stand, and how much trouble is golf in, and pressure on them to straighten this thing out? They're in huge trouble. Um, my guess is, you know, maybe a merger, or maybe there could be some casualties here. But if I'm a league in this country, you all need to be on notice because if somebody can come in and buy an entire league. For $2 billion, oh, boy. You know, if I were wrestling, you know, you got to look at, you know, stealing some of the best UFC fighters. you got to look at tennis. I mean, this is easily duplicated in other sports, and that's my bigger concern is that if you could put together 2 or $3 billion, and these days it's not hard to do, what other leagues are on notice where maybe you can start stealing high-level profile names and giving them huge amounts of money and partnering up with them? I think this golf thing – probably ends up in some kind of merger. I, I think it has to be. And I think it's also a little bit concerning that maybe the golfers have been a little bit underpaid. Like, where is all that other money going? Because there is tremendous amounts of money. I don't think the golfers are really be getting that fair share, which always leads to these kind of problems. You see the same kind of problem in UFC. Where, where's all the money going? Oh, we know where it's going. Not into the fighters' pockets, except once in a while when you get a McGregor. And, you, and you know, if I'm one of those leagues out there, I think you got to be careful because all you need to do is you're taking five, six, seven top talents and you got a couple billion dollar raise and all of a sudden you're in business. Um, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting few years coming up in the world of sports as the stakes and the prices for teams and the values of these teams. And they're almost priceless now. Yeah. So there's big stakes and there's, there's people that, they are, you, know, you know, how PE works, you know, how mergers, acquisitions and people, you know, they, they don't always do things the nice way. There are a lot of hostile maneuvers to be made and I could see it easily happening in a couple other sports. Brandon Steiner, founder and president of Collectible Exchange and the Steiner Agency. Brandon, if people want to get that perfect gift for somebody impossible to buy for, where do we go to find out how to get stuff? Well, what's amazing is you can buy or sell stuff on my exchange. You know, we're, we're very similar to eBay. It's a lot better. We'll help you verify or qualify what you have for whatever purposes. You just go to Collectible Exchange. It's really easy to work. And by the way, since the last time I was on the show, I mean, we have over 150,000 items on there and growing like weeds. So obviously there's a lot of people out there with a lot of stuff. Please bring it. We'll help you. And uh, you can always, you know, it's a buyer and a sell. I would say it's a resale market, not a retail market. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate always being on your show, man. I love you. And Absolutely. I always try to keep up with you. Love the show. All right, Brandon, thanks so much. Congratulations uh, on all your success. Appreciate it. Brandon Steiner, historic week uh, in baseball when everybody paid attention uh, to America's pastime. Aaron Judge, thanks for that. Uh, when we come back, I'll take some of your calls and find out if there's indeed more to know. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, welcome back, everyone. one 408 You know, talking about with the, one of the most outrageous things that I've seen is what's happening with our military. There is no concerted effort outside the people on the front lines with the stack tables who go in the recruiting centers to get the Americans to serve in our military. And the volunteer force was bulked up during a time in which you think it wouldn't be. And that's when you had a, almost a guarantee to see some action in war. That's why people join. Other people say, well, listen, I don't know if I want to die. I just want to train. I want to get the background. I want to get the benefits. Nothing wrong with that. But now you can't get any of the armed forces to live up to their mandates in terms of people needed to replenish our all-volunteer force, which is just over a million people. So now, to make it worse, it's unthinkable we now have a new mandate in the military that if you don't get vaccinated, you're fired. So I don't care if you're at 19 years, you need 20 to get full benefits, you're fired. Now, this is a vaccine no longer relevant against this variant. This is a vaccine that has, was way overblown of its effectiveness on the initial COVID-19. They first said it was 96 percent. Turns out it's about 57 percent. And this is a vaccine on a pandemic that the president said was over. So we're not needing of a vaccine to the general population, but the military is still holding to this. Some of these uh, police forces are having no problem uh, suing and getting reinstated. It just happened in Staten Island, thankfully. Hopefully it's going to happen in NYPD. we got to get some of these nurses back on the job, too. But Zach Loesch, ironically, is a Coast Guarder, a Coast Guard officer who saved countless lives uh, on that hurricane last week, Hurricane Ian. And was mentioned by the President of the United States. What wasn't mentioned by the President of the United States is Zach next week is going to get kicked out of the Coast Guard because even though he's in a private life and just a great physical specimen, doesn't want to get a vaccine. Here's Zach Loesch with Tucker last night, Cut 43. I don't know why they would want to be doing that, uh, but I do know that I would like to continue working this job and uh, – it's a job that I'm really good at, and a lot of others are really good at. There was other rescue swimmers down there in Ian with me, and we were all doing the same thing, and uh, we would all like to keep our jobs. I believe that some people are trying, uh, but right now a lot of what's happening is it's tied up in the court system, and so it's just not happening fast enough uh, for us to you know, be saved from this before we get discharged. And it's just got to stop. There's got to be massive outrage around the country. So we're going to lose 20,000 people. 20,000 people are told, hit the streets, hand in your uniform because of a vaccine that is a shot. It's like a flu shot. Now, many people point out, well, in the military, you have to take these vaccines. Yeah, they know. Before going in, you sign up. But not brand new vaccines for a pandemic that's over. And because the rest of the public, I, I can make my own decision. You can make your own decision, I hope. Whatever it is. I got the vaccination, but I wasn't mandated to get it. I wanted to get it. And from what I knew was the right decision, it remains the right decision. That's for me. But the minute you start mandating it, demanding I get four shots, like Anthony Fauci, who got it, like Admiral Kirby, who has it, like the president who got it twice and the first lady, all got quad shots. Let's find this more to know. More to know. So get this. That lunatic that ran on the stadium on Sunday Night Football was taken out by Bobby Wagner of Monday Night Football. On Monday Night Football, I should say, not Sunday Night Football, is suing. 
is suing because he was tackled on the field when he ran on. He's a animal rights activist. Listen to how it sounded from Eli and Peyton Manning's perspective. Here you go. Oh, yeah. There he is. There he is. There he is. Not- yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner. Bobby. A veteran. Right. Get him down. Now get Had out and tackle. let these guys take over. Yeah, this idiot who was arrested now is suing because he was tackled. Here's Bobby Wagner. I mean, I was where everybody kind of told me, but it is what it is. I don't, I don't really. It's behind me. Ain't really focused on it. You know, I'm more concerned about the security guard that was hurt trying to chase him and 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 the people that was, you know, we don't know what that is, and you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah, he did the right thing. This guy's Alexander Taylor. You don't know if he was armed or anything else. He had some type of smoke alarm, smoke uh, bomb with him. So, and he has the, he's, he's, this entitled idiot is suing. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.